Rolling Dice and Taking Names presents War College, an in-depth look at strategy and tactical techniques used in hobby gaming. And now for your host, Todd and Alex. Hello and welcome to another episode of The War College. It's Alex and Todd. We're here today uh, to give you a little more insight into our thoughts about strategy and your game playing. Hey everybody, uh, for today we are going to uh, take a look at the next uh, topic in our strategy discussion, which was on objective and objective settings uh, in the context of game strategy. Uh, But first we wanted to uh, revisit some of the comments that we got on our previous episode of War College um, on our reconnaissance uh, segment that we did. Uh, It did stir up a good bit of discussion on our forums. And for those of you who don't regularly read the forums, we thought we might just share some of our thoughts um, on that feedback. Uh, Todd? Right. Yeah, some people um, said that they felt like the kind of prep we were talking about was uh, tantamount to cheating. And, you know, I guess what we want to say is, you know, we're trying to provide you these principles as a guide, you know, to use when it's appropriate. So you have to use your own judgment and discretion. We're not advocating that you go out and read all the great strategies on that brand new board game you got so that you can go school all your friends the first time you play. Um, this is about, you know, learning more about the game when you're ready to learn more about the game. Um, an example I like to give is um, Game of Thrones. Uh, Alex invited me to play, and I was the. It was my first time, but everybody else at the table had played multiple times. In fact, some of the guys play routinely, so I knew if I walked in um, without doing at least some prep and understanding of how the game played, I would get totally destroyed. And I still got totally destroyed, but at least I had some idea why. Um, and Twilight Imperium, which I think we're going to talk about in this, today's episode, it's another one where everybody else had played. Some people played a lot. Um, I didn't feel like I would have a chance to be competitive. Um, without doing some advanced reading. And it's not just about being competitive to win, it's about being competitive to give everyone a good experience. Yeah, I would say that too. It's a large part of it's knowing one about your own play style and then the play style of those around you. Um, you know, within our gaming group, we are definitely on a more, I guess, a more competitive uh, gaming group. Everybody's pretty experienced gamers. We've played many board games. And so we are playing more, uh, you know, there's an expectation that you're coming to the table more prepared. However, we run our, our game club where we regularly have new people coming in all the time where we're doing teaching games. And it's a very different style of play when you're doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's, all, it's just a function of knowing uh, uh, the type of uh, to people at the table and uh, and what you're preparing for. Right, I'd say even you and I, like when we play, let's say a few acres of snow. It's not when we played that. You know, we read both read the rules and we looked to see if there were any you know major rules facts or anything. But it's not like we did a lot of advanced research beforehand. We figured that game out as we went, and then after we played a few times, then we looked to see what people were saying. Yeah, and, well, and actually, kind of to that point though, uh, you know, in general. I think there is a bit of a – there was a sense that you had to learn the game through through trial and error, which I, I disagree with that that standpoint. I think you do – I think there's a lot to be said, uh, taking time to learn and study a game and then come to the table prepared. Uh, I know I have very, very little time to actually um, get in gaming. And so when I'm at the table, I like to maximize uh, my time at the table. I like to maximize my win time at the table. Um, so – I, you know, I, I appreciate those who, who enjoy the, you know, think of it as, if you think of it as a puzzle, you come to the table not knowing how the game works and you figure out as you play. For some people, that play style is, is the enjoyment. Um, for others, that's not, you know, stumbling through a game, um, it can be a sense of, a source of uh, frustration. I know for me and for many other gamers. And so coming prepared is, uh, is, 
is as much or is as fair a way to play a game as it is to to solve it uh, at the time, the first time you sit down and play it. Um, that's just a, a matter of preference and, and how you like to play the game. Yeah, and part of it, again, is about knowing your audience. So all we're trying to say is, you know, use your best judgment. You know your play group. You know how advanced they are. You know what they've played before. You know if you're new to the game. Just use your judgment. Don't go out and kill new people the first game out by reading all of the strategies and, and winning because no one will have any fun and they won't play with you anymore. <laughs> Good point. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, so for our, our subject today, we were going to look at the, the concept of objectives or objective setting. Uh, and what we're, I mean, we're really talking about here is goal setting in the context of game strategy. Uh, I have uh, from Wikipedia their, their definition uh, for objectives being a a clearly defined or defined as um, every every operation should have a clearly defined and decisive and obtainable objective. Uh, so, anyways, you, sh- you need to have a clearly defined goal, something that you're working to within the game. Uh, if you want to have a good shot at winning it, at least uh, you need to have some sort of every every turn. There should be some step that you're taking to help you achieve victory, uh, because what you're trying to do is avoid wasted effort. Uh, you know. Uh, we've all probably played uh, uh, Euro games where we made one flaw in the first turn of the game, and then you know six turns later we realize how 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 much of an impact or how devastating that that one mistake could have been. And uh, so having that clear path to how you're going to obtain your victory from the start is important to, to determining you know, what's the first thing you should do out of the gate to to what you should do in the middle of the game towards what you should do at the end of the game to to try to lock in that victory. Right, and I think we had that experience playing through the ages for the first time. Is I know myself especially got so caught up in all the fun things to do that I lost focus on the scoring track. And I think all of us except Ben lost focus on the scoring track, and he ran away with it because he was really paying close attention to that. So it's it's easy to lose focus and just get caught up in yeah, and all playing the stuff the game. you can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, the idea here is an example of something like that would be like it would be a uh, clearly defined objective would be, and, and this would be something from probably many Euro games. Something like I need to score 120 victory points by you know the end of turn 10 to have a shot at winning, which to me also brings up this is actually a good a good intersection of where that subject of reconnaissance comes into play with uh, with objectives is that. To make a, to make that kind of goal or objective to set that from the from the beginning of the game, you have to have a pretty good idea of what that what the end game is going to look like. You need to know that you know a score of forty or higher in the Grickle in a five player game is a score is a is a winning score. Uh, you know, Lords of War Deep, you need to be the one thirty or so to really have to be in contention to win. Of course, you can never in those games you can never know what that final you know victory score is. And then if you're playing for a competitive group, it's very likely. It's going to be just a few points that separate the winners and the, uh, the you know the, the runner-up. But at least knowing what that having that benchmark to set the goal around is really important because otherwise you're kind of you're just throwing darts at a wall hoping you land near where the where the uh, what the winning score is going to be. Uh, any any comments on that? No, I mean I think that sums it up for the most part. I mean. You know, and because even when we're just playing at game night, people will say, "Oh, well, what's a good score?" You know, everybody likes to kind of have some idea of what they're aiming for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, another thing that can can be difficult though is, as as we know, that that example. Oh, you know, score 120 points by the end of turn 10. Well, that's great when you have a game that has a set number of turns. Right. So you can because that, that, what's really nice about that is if you know that, then you sort of know at any point in the game where you're at. You know, if I'm at 60 points halfway through the game, 
I know I'm on track to at least hit my, my target. But a lot of games introduce a uh, variable turn length, um, or sometimes the objectives change later in the game, so you may not know the winning objective from the start of the game. Um, and so in those cases, you do have to plan differently. Um, I don't, do you, Todd, is there anything you do to try to... Uh, when that happens, when that comes up, when you don't necessarily know what this, when it's a moving target or there's going to be uh, a surprise as to when the actual game ends, anyway, you can't go about. Well, I'd that. you know I'd say the most the most of the time what I'll do is I'll look to the players that I know have experience with the game and I'll watch their progression and try to stay in the ballpark with them and try to figure figure out okay, you know if they're at fifty points if I know the game ends at a hundred like let's say you know I'm trying to think of. Um, we recently played um, Manhattan Project, which I don't remember the point structure exactly, but basically when you get a certain amount of bombs, the game ends. And, you know, I remember watching everybody else and being like, okay, you know, uh, Chris is getting close to having all the bombs he needs, and Casey's getting close to having all the bombs she needs. I need, to, I, if I haven't, you know, made my way towards that in some fashion, then I'm, I'm about to lose. I guess that's, that's not a exactly clear answer, but you know, the idea is that I'm watching the progression of the other players and trying to pace myself with them. You say, you, you, rather than trying to find some an objective benchmark external to the well, game, or external to mm-hmm. the other players, you use the other players as the benchmark to... Again, part of it depends on the game. Like, you were, if you were saying, like, if it was a fixed points, like, I know it's 120 points is probably going to win the game. That's different. Then I can look beforehand, do some research, and figure out, okay, well, how are people doing this? Like, um, okay, I think you're in a, you said you want to talk about Twilight Imperium a little bit later, but that's one we played recently. Yeah. I'd gone online to kind of see, you know, I knew it was 10 points. That's a fixed objective. And I was like, well, how are people getting to this? And, you know, I read several analysis that said, you know, the key is, you know, if the things you're doing are not about to get you points, you probably shouldn't be doing them. Yes. And, you know, so that was a different scenario where I could do outside research to figure out, okay, what's the best way to achieve the 10 points? But a game like Manhattan Project or another where the the endpoint is floats. Uh, a simpler game I played recently with my kids, Takanoko, the bamboo and the panda yeah. eating one. The that's another, game. yes. That's another one where, well, I guess that is also a fixed from, I guess that is seven cards, but again, the game doesn't end. Well, maybe that's not a good example. But I, I would yeah. even say, actually, I would even say Twilight, Twilight Imperium, even though it does have that that stated fixed um, win condition of ten victory points, uh, it also has a variable turn length. So that's that true. game can can definitely end. Could end turn seven, and then it's it's just whoever is first past the goal. Um, right, it's not. It's You're not right. necessarily yeah. who's got ten points. It's whoever has the most points when that uh, game over. You know, the game over card uh, is flipped. Uh, and I believe there's another one that says there's another one for. I think if, you know, there's a couple I call. Um, if you control the central hex, right, okay. if you control a certain number of other players' um, home systems, you win immediately if, if that one flips over. So right. there, there are other, there are actual variable variables in that, and and even though the point the Scoring is could be fixed in the terms of its ten points to win. That's a good example of a game where you don't know uh, on from the from turn one what the what the scoring objectives are going to be. You right. know you need to score points. You know you need to score ten of them, but it's not oh you can go here and score points. It's each turn you're going to flip over a new objective, and it, you know it may or may not coincide with what you did the turn before. Right, uh, which I think lends itself to actually a um, a, a development um, software development technique. That's used, I guess, pretty frequently now, mm-hmm. um, known as agile development. And I'm, I'm not a software developer, so I, I don't know it that well. But I, the concept behind it, I think, is, um, is a good, 
example of a way to approach it. And it goes kind of what you were you were saying, Todd, earlier about you know trying to score. Just make sure that you're scoring a point each turn, um, rather than taking the ideas. And in, in, in agile, is you only release. You, know, you focus on releasing the feature set that you have to, to to make your next release date, rather than trying to provide every single feature, every single functionality that the user might want. Um, the the goal is produce something you can actually sell this you know within the next month, and then once you do that release, release and you know add new features, new functions, release again and again. So this is real big in you know web based software, obviously, where you can just continuously roll out with with new feature sets. Um, but using but the idea is don't do don't try to go overboard. Find the exact feature set you need to to make the next release. And so, I think in the game context, it's you know what specific steps do I do in, in this in the case where it's a variable objective? You know, what steps do I do just this turn specifically that score me a point? You know, that's that's what you should be focused on. And well, using well, and I had a friend uh, the first time we played Terra Mystica. I'd actually played it once or so, but a, a friend of mine played with us, and he ended up winning. And at the end of the game, he said. Yeah, I saw all the complicated things you guys were trying to do to score points, but he's like, I just looked at my sheet, and I was like, here are these three things that give me points. I'm just going to do those things. And he's like, that's my, every time I play a game for the first time, I don't try to get fancy. I say, where are the points? How can I get them? And I'll get those things. And then once I've mastered that, then I'll learn how to do the more complicated elements. Yeah, and and I was going to go back to our Twilight Imperium example Uh in that there was a turn. I I remember around (laughs) turn three of the game where I made a very conscious decision to not – I had the opportunity. I could have scored a point, and I bypassed it and chose not to. In order to, to to amass some resources within that game, I, so I took I opted not to score points so I could get resources, and in in hindsight it was a, it was a, it was a mistake. Uh, granted, there a lot of things could have gone differently. Uh, those re, you know, having those resources maybe allowed me a scoring opportunity later, but at the end when that game came to an end, uh, I was not in contention to win, and I was it was one point would have made the difference of maybe potentially having a shot at winning, um, and so by not taking it. You know, did I, I think I put myself out of the running to to actually win. So I think it's, it's that kind of idea is that you want to look each turn. Don't try to don't try to come up with that overly complex uh, uh, plan to win. Look for what's going to get you a point right then. Take it and then figure out what to do from there on the next turn. But now I, I would contrast that with the games where you do have the fixed the end goal. In which case, I think you should be following a much more methodical. Uh, uh, process to to achieving, achieving your goal, and that's a nice thing. In games like Agricola, um, you know, simplest things as t- Ticket to Ride, those types of games. I mean, you know, you can determine from the start, uh, you know, where you need to be at in each stage of the game, how you're going to get your points. Uh, and so then it's more of an issue of you know using uh, you know back solving into what steps should you be taking on each turn. And what, how many you know, how many points could you be scoring on a given turn to at least know you're in contention? You just said back solving. Can you? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, and we use Lords of Waterdeep as an example. Uh, in that game, you know, like I said, you want you want 130 points or so, probably ideally, to try to be in contention there. Again, this is a function of knowing how many people are going to be at the table with you. But you know, I think five player game, 130 is about where you want to be, and you know you've got 10 turns to do it. You know you've got two sources of scoring uh, in that game. You've got one from uh, what they call quest completion. So they're, you know, they're, throughout the game there are, there are public scoring that occurs when you complete a quest in, in the game. And then there are hidden points that you score. 
uh, known only to you based on a, a initial uh, role assignment to, right, to each right. player. Uh, and so, the, so I would say from the back solving says, well, I know I need 130. How do I break that down? How do I componentize that down into what I'm going to need to win this game? So, you, you know, you, you hypothetically might say of that 130, I need I need about 40 some to come from my hidden points uh, that I score based on that role assignment, and 90 points scored from uh, quest completion. Well, I know I've got 10 turns to do it, so I know I need uh, I can back solve that. I need to be doing approximately nine points a turn in uh, quest completion. Now, that doesn't mean every turn, if you don't score nine points, that you're you're out of contention. It just means you need to periodically be checking. You know, by turn three, am I around 27 or am, am I looking at scoring 35 by the end of turn four? Something like that. So you at least know if you're on track for it. Well, and I think part of what you were saying before is you kind of have to get a feel for either through experience or through reading yeah. where those benchmarks are. Like, yeah. you don't know if there's a massive, like, uh, we just played Russian Railroads recently, and the scoring takes off exponentially as the game goes on. So, you know, not having played it before, you don't exactly know what a good score is for each yeah. round as the game progresses. So I think that's similar might happen with Agricola. You don't know when, I mean, not Agricola, um, well, you were talking about Agricola, that's right. You don't know at what point you should be getting those. Yeah, well, Agricola, yeah, Agricola can be tough. You I mean, there is a sort of a, a, a competitive score. I mean, if you look at people who play a lot. And, right. You know, they, they kind of score in the same ranges in the same number of players. But obviously, it, depending on who's at the table, the, the scoring can fluctuate pretty wildly. Well, I guess what I meant was until you've researched it, you don't know, like, how many points you should have in round four or... Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like, and this goes back to what I was saying about the the intersection of this with reconnaissance. I mean, all all these strat- these strategic principles that we we, we want to talk about, um, none of them happen in a vacuum. Right. You have to. They have to all be. They all have to work together. You know, and you, if you, all you did was focus on the objective, but you didn't do anything to prepare to figure out what the objective is, um, and you didn't do anything to secure it. For instance, I mean, there are. Uh, it's all great to go for the winning score, but if at the same time you leave yourself wide open and somebody you know, in a game where you, there's player elimination, you get taken out. It doesn't matter whether or not you're on pace or not. You, get, you, know, you still lose the game. Uh, so, And I think that's one of the things, too, is like you were saying, like, it's, so you have to know kind of what the end objective is and how, what your yardstick for how to get there is, but you also have to be aware of shifting objectives as the game goes on. Right? And like Twilight Imperium was a good example of that, where maybe you're thinking, aha, okay, this turn and next turn are going to be the turn... I'm going to get these two. But then a new objective comes up because they reveal a new objective every turn. And you're like, oh, wait, this will work so much better for me if I take this one now and bump those two down, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of changing the flow of the, your objectives during the game. So there's like this having the overhead view of the objective going into the game and kind of where you need to be, having those benchmarks, but then also setting those short-term objectives you were talking about to get you towards the long-term objective of winning. That's right, yeah. And that, that's what, that goes back to this idea about back-solving is that once you have this... You've got the you got the um, ten thousand foot view. You've then broken it down into uh, or segmented into m- more uh, you know, digestible pieces, and then you know, okay, well, here here's my my short term goal goal is turns you know one through four. I need to be cl- completing smaller quests that are you know maybe maybe below my average. I'm I'm trying to average nine points a turn. Maybe turns one through four. I'm okay settling with four to six points. Built knowing that I'm building towards. Turns five through seven, five through eight, eight to score. Right, yeah. um, you know, t- average 20 twelve, point, yeah. twenty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and then go for. I know the last two turns, I'm going for the you know those last forty points I need or whatever. Right. Because um, you know, obviously that's a very common uh, uh, build up mechanism in many Euro games. You know, you s- lower scoring in the early turns, 
higher scoring in the layers. So, the, you know, but that's what you—that's the advantage of having that or back solving, figuring out what your your scores need to be, so you at least know, you know, if you're if you're on pace to actually get there by the end of the game and where you need to be at each each leg of it. Okay. So I think the point there is it's not just enough to know. Okay, if I'm going to win, you know, Lords of Waterdeep, I need you know, hundred and I don't remember. What we say like 130, 130 yeah. points to win Lords of Waterdeep. You need to understand then. Let's just say one contention to win. Yeah, yes. you're right, right. Yeah. Yes, if you want to be competitive, you need 130 points. That's not enough to know. You need to understand what parts of the game, what elements of the game are going to get you there. What mm. what average quests you're going to need. How many? Well, even as simple as knowing what's a reasonable number of quests to complete in a game. Yeah, and then knowing how many points from there you're going to need from each of those quests on average to get that. Yeah, and see, I, I forget offhand, but that's a good example. Yeah, so as another intermediate goal to, that you're looking at in that game, when you once you back saw that you want 40 points, you know, you've set this scheme that you want 40 points from uh, from your hidden points and you want uh, 90 from quests. So we, we were able to figure out, well, you need to average 9 quests or points for quest per turn, but the the hidden quests score 4 points for quest. So you also need, need to know that you now need to score 10 quests, which tells you a lot about uh, what's your act, what actions you should be taking during the game? Not only should you be, you know, winning quests or whatever, but you should. Now you need to know you need to go digging for at least you know ten quests to complete, just to make sure you hit the forty points of, of bonuses, and they need to be the ones that give you bonuses. Right, right. So you're, yeah. you're you know you're keeping track of that too, um, but that at least gives you the framework to to go after that. Because other absent that, it's it's real. I mean, you're just flying blind at that point. You try to score as many points as you can. That's not a bad way to go, but. That won't necessarily get you to where you need to be to win. Right, exactly. It's just like sitting down to play chess. I mean, you can move the pieces around, but if you don't understand how they're supposed to work in concert and what steps you can take you know, to utilize the pieces to set up traps for other players... It, yeah, you need to know how the game's yeah. made checkmate. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work otherwise. <laughs> well, that's good. Is there anything... Uh, I, you know, so recon and objectives kind of build on each other. You need to set your objective. You need to do your recon to understand what the objectives are, Set those objectives, and then maybe do some more recon to figure out how you're going to meet those objectives. Yeah, and I think maybe for uh, our next topic, um, we maybe we'll look at what we call the offensive. You know, how, this is for a lot of games. This actually might be the method to your objective. And you know, we're talking usually about where do you attack the other player, how do you attack your opponent. Um, but there, I think there's some deeper things to look into that as well. Um, so I think maybe we'll try to cover that next as a kind of a, a, a natural follow up to to the objective setting that sounds great well until next time this is todd and alex and class dismissed thanks for listening to war college if you'd like to ask any questions or make any comments you can do so on our guild page at board game geek to check out our other shows and videos visit rolldicetakenames.com